Your name is a strong and mighty tower, we just sang. He is the one to whom we can run to for refuge, for shelter. And uh, have you noticed lately that our world is in a mess? I think before we come to the time of studying the Lord's Word, let's go to Him. Let's run to our shelter and uh, ask His grace. Father God, what a, what a joy it is to be able to come to You and to know that whatever is going on in the world, that You are in control. You are sovereign God over all the universe. Nothing is outside of Your hands. So while we may not understand all that is going on, we rest in You. This morning we bring to you our brothers and sisters around the world. While we sit here in relative peace and security and comfort, it is not so for so many of our brothers and sisters. We think especially of those in Ukraine. Uh, many thousands of our of believers there. We lift them up to you this morning. We ask your grace upon them. We ask for a swift end to this war. We ask for peace and uh, security for them. Their, their freedom is threatened as believers. Father, we ask that, um, that the invaders would be turned back and that uh, uh, we would see not only freedom for the Ukrainians, but a, a, uh, a great surge in people coming to trust Jesus Christ there. We pray for many of our brothers and sisters, millions who are in countries where there is suffering, there is persecution for their faith. Those in uh, North Korea, China, in India, in places in Africa, Middle East. Father, we ask for uh, security and safety for them in this day as they gather to worship. We ask as well for the spread of the gospel there. We ask for ourselves in a land with freedom that we would use our freedom well. That we would honor you in the way that we live. That we would live boldly for Jesus Christ. That we would share the good news of the gospel. Father, that we would live rightly as your people. To that end, we ask your grace and we commit ourselves. We are thankful again for the opportunity of gathering this morning. We pray for Pastor Aaron and young people who are at a retreat this weekend. We pray for a good and productive time there that honors you and encourages our young people in their walk with you. Now, Father, as we turn our attention to your word, we pray that we would have hearts and minds that are attentive, that you, through your spirit, would make the word come alive to us that it would that we would hear and understand and that it would impact us that we would be drawn nearer to you and that we would live more fully for you so that end we commit our time in these moments ahead we ask your grace in Jesus name amen we come once again to the sermon on the mount if you are new to us, visiting with us this day, or haven't been here for a while. We are, we are in a series going through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, His longest 
recorded message, and it is jam-packed with things that we need to hear. I hope you all will grab a Bible. If you didn't bring one with you, there's one in the pew in front of you. And, uh, open it up to the Gospel of Matthew, and we're in chapter 6 this morning, in the first verses of chapter 6. Again, if you're visiting with us this morning, a very special welcome to you, and you just struck the jackpot. You came to church on the Sunday, the pastor's going to talk about giving. And uh, it occasionally happens. I don't, uh, I don't seek it out, but when we're, when we're in the Scripture and it's there, we talk about it. The Lord Jesus talked about our money a lot. He talks about it several times here in the Sermon on the Mount. But particularly here, the subject is giving. We just finished a section of the Sermon on the Mount over the last few weeks where Jesus has been explaining how as he's taken us back to some of the Old Testament commandments. And what we've discovered through Jesus' explanation is that God's standard of righteousness is higher than we ever imagined. That when the Scripture says, the Old Testament commandments said, do not murder, it means not only don't commit the, the physical act of murder, but it also applies to the, the words that come out of our mouth and the very thoughts in our minds, in our hearts, that we can murder with thoughts and words. Then when the Scripture says, do not commit adultery, that it applies not only to the physical act of adultery, but also to our inner lusts and to any ways in which we devalue God's gift of sexuality and or we dishonor marriage. Likewise, the standards for telling the truth and for not taking revenge and for loving our neighbor, we saw Jesus inform us, well, just how far short we all fall of those. So fortunately, Jesus changes the subject because I don't know about you, but it's been really convicting over the last five weeks. So we're moving on. We're moving away from looking at how as Jesus followers we are to live rightly by not breaking the commandments. We're to follow the commandments. And now in this new section, we're going to look at how we are to live rightly by doing things that are good and right. Or as our text will call them, or will say, how we are to practice our righteousness. How we are to live out things that some people might call uh, religious duties or spiritual disciplines, or what I think the NIV translated as acts of righteousness. Jesus will single out in this section three examples of righteousness that Jewish leaders in that day highly valued, and that was giving and praying and fasting. And we're going to cover each of those today in the next couple of weeks as we come here to the Sermon on the Mount today. Astonishing things that Jesus says. They always blow us out of our comfort zone, blow us out of our normal way of thinking. And here again, Jesus will surprise us as we come to look at this act of righteousness of giving. We find the overall principle here in verse 1 of chapter 6. Follow along as I read. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Beware of practicing our righteousness. In a surprising twist, 
Jesus here begins this section talking about right things that we are to do with a warning. Whoever would have thought that doing right things, doing good things, would come with a warning? There are all kinds of things that we can think of that we need warnings about. We need warnings about things that we shouldn't do. We need warnings about sins that we will fall into and those things. But here Jesus is about to talk about things that are right to do. Giving, praying, fasting. And He begins with the, with a word of warning. Beware! Beware. And here's the warning. Beware. Danger. Don't do good things. Don't do right things. To impress people. Because if you do, he says, then there is no reward. You receive no reward from our Father in heaven. In short, right things done the wrong way are a waste. We can do really, really, really good things. We can do right acts, but we can do them in a wrong way to where there is little benefit for us and no reward from God. So that's the warning that Jesus wants us to catch. And there's obviously no reason to give a warning for something if it's not something that we're likely, not, that we're not likely to do. The reason he gives this warning is because we have a propensity for this. We have a tendency for this. A tendency to take these good things, things that are good and right, and to twist them, to turn them, to spoil them into something that is not so good. Now, before we get into this, let me just remind us, in case you're here this morning, and you, you knew and you haven't heard this, I need to make this very clear. There is no amount of good things, of right things that we can do, no amount of good deeds, no amount of religious activity, no amount of any of these things that we can do that can save us, that can get our sins forgiven and get us a place in heaven. Not a thing we can do. The Bible makes that very clear, for example, in, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. The only way to get to heaven is not by doing good things. It's by receiving the gift from God. God sent a Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sin. He rose again from the dead, and all we, all we can do to get to heaven is to receive the gift that Jesus has paid for. To trust in Him is our Savior. So if you're here this morning wondering, how can I get to heaven? How can I have my sins forgiven? The Bible says it this way, Acts 16, verse 31. What must we do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Trust in Him. This message that Jesus is preaching here, this Sermon on the Mount, is 
addressed to believers, those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And what he's telling us here, what he told us in the last section when he was talking about obeying the commands and what he's talking about here in doing these righteous things, it's not about how to be saved. It's what we should be doing and what we are to do as those who are saved, as those who are on the way to heaven. This is how we are to live as Jesus' followers. None of us will do these perfect, but these are our aim. To put these things into practice. Because while our good deeds cannot earn our salvation, they cannot earn heaven for us. What we have just seen and what we'll see in a few minutes is that they are, Jesus reminds us that they provide rewards for us when we get to heaven. And Jesus, in His grace and His concern for us, wants to make sure that you and I don't miss out on any blessings that God has for us. And so He wants us to understand how to practice our righteousness, how to do the good things that we should do as followers of Jesus, and how to do them rightly. Again, the focus this morning is on giving. We see that in verse 2 in that very first phrase where he says, thus, when you give to the needy. So thus, because the, the problem here is that we tend to do things wrongly, he says, thus, he takes the first of these illustrations, we'll take the next two in the next two weeks, the first of these illustrations is giving. Thus, when you give to the needy, And we're reminded, by the way, that generosity and giving is a good thing. It is a righteous act. It is a right thing to do. God's people are supposed to be generous people. Psalm 37 says this. says, the wicked borrows but does not pay back. Wicked people borrow things, they don't pay back. It's all about getting. It's all about them and getting. But he says, the righteous... The righteous person is generous and gives. If we are trusting in Jesus Christ, if we are saved, if we are therefore righteous, then we are givers. It is part of our nature as to who we are as Jesus' followers. The righteous person is a giver. The Apostle Paul was writing to his protege, young Pastor Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and he there he addresses rich people that are in this church. And, and by the way, the rich people in, in aren't rich like our way of thinking. Our way of thinking, rich people are, are people who have more stuff than we do. Okay, Rich people in the Bible terms are people who have more than the essentials that you need today. In other words, you have more food than you need today. You have clothes to wear, and maybe something extra. You have shelter, and if you've got that, you're good, and you're rich because you have more food than you need. And all of us are incredibly rich. Not a person in this room is considered poor in this world's standards. We are all among the wealthiest people who are alive today and among the wealthiest people who have ever lived even the very poorest among us. So someone once said that uh, if a man waits until he has enough to give, (laughs) 
he will never have enough. If a man waits to be generous until he has more, he will never be generous because he will never have enough. We are to be as followers of Jesus. We are to be generous. And the Apostle Paul wrote to these rich people there that with young Pastor Timothy, and he said this, these rich people, that's us, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. We as Christians are to be generous with our material blessings. We are to be generous with our time. We are to be generous with our energy. Notice he says to be rich in good works, all kinds of things. We are to be be generous with our energy. We are to be generous with our money. In fact, I notice that as Jesus here addresses this issue of giving, Jesus assumes that we are generous givers. If you'll notice, he doesn't begin with, if you give, nor does he launch into a challenge to us, you need to be givers. He says, when you give. He's just assuming if you're one of his followers, you are a giver. And a generous giver. The Bible tells us that you and I should be giving not only of many, in many ways with our time, our substance, our energy, our resources, our money, but we are to be giving in to a number of different places. For example, we are to be givers to our local church. I'll say that because we, we don't have offering plates going around. Okay, it's safe to say. We are to be generous in giving to our local church. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. In this case, you are taught through this church and you should give here. If you are taught through other ministries, you should share with those ministries as well. We should also be generous and share and give to missionaries, those who are spreading the gospel to other places, other peoples. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the Philippians, writes, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I love the fact that, by the way, this is a generous church. I don't have to preach on giving because you do. You give in abundance, not only to this church, but we give in abundance around the world. This last year, almost 28 cents, no, not almost, over 28 cents, of every dollar that came into this church went out the doors into ministries outside this church and around the world. I, that is amazing. You guys have a heart for that. And, and when we partner with and give with other ministries and other uh, those who are missionaries around the world, we become partners in their ministry and we share in the joy and we share in the rewards of what they do. And you as a generous church know that it is a joy to be a part of what God is doing around the world. It is a blessing. We are to give to local church. We are to give to our missionaries. We are to give one we might not think of. We are to give to our family. But if anyone, he says, does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We are to be generous givers with any in our family who have needs. But the principle that Jesus singles out here, 
The principle that he focuses on this morning in the type of giving is, as we read, when you, what, give to the needy. When we give to the poor, the text is very specific. The, everything that we're going to see here applies to any and all kind of giving we give. But Jesus chose this one. He focused on giving to the poor. And it is really an important thing for us as believers. Matter of fact, it's you as a believer are unconcerned and uninvolved in meeting the needs of someone that you see in need. If you don't care and you don't help, James writes this. If anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? In other words, it's simply incompatible for us to have the love of God in our heart. And here is someone in need and we have resources and we don't care. And we don't help. Now, there are limits in Scripture where we don't help for certain reasons, but it's not because we don't care. In 99.99% of the time, we are to, to meet that need. We've talked about that a few weeks ago. We are to be generous and ready, ready to share. So giving is a good thing. But we can take a good thing, we can take something that is right for us to do, something that the Scripture, and we just scratch the surface, something the Scripture calls for us to do, and do it in abundance, and to do it generously. And we can take that, and we can ruin it. And so Jesus now turns the attention to giving wrongly. Verse 2, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. There's a problem here. There are people who are giving and they're doing it wrong. And Jesus says, what they're doing, you don't do. You as my followers learn from this bad example. Don't do that. Here's the problem. He says that there are folks who are making a big deal of their giving. They're turning their giving into a really big show. And so what's happening is maybe... Is it maybe literally what's happening is that some guy is bringing his offering. And when he does, he's got maybe some folks to help carry it, you know, because it's, it's, it's loads in, it's in wheelbarrows, it's in chests. He's got some folks carrying it. And in front of this procession, he's got a guy blasting a trumpet. Now, I doubt that happened very often, but it's a good word picture. And these folks in, who are listening to the sermon, they're, they're laughing as they picture this, this procession with the guy bringing his, his, wealth, his massive wealth to give. But that may be, Jesus is saying that literally happened and that's a problem. Or it may be, some scholars say that what Jesus is referring to is that when you would go into the temple in Jerusalem, there are 13 offering boxes, offering chests, and these chests had a, we would think of it as a funnel, a trumpet-shaped funnel on the top that was made out of brass where you, you dropped your, your offering in. For all of us who have driven through a toll booth, 
You know what those things look like. They got that thing when you're supposed to roll the window down and throw your money in and it goes in. That's what they had there. And if you were of the mind to, you could turn that into a really big show because this thing is made of brass. And when metal hits it, it makes noise. And you could take your big bags of money and you could drop them in slowly from a nice high distance and you could make a lot of noise for a long time. J. Vernon McGee, the great old preacher, he said what his take on this was, that somebody was going to give their offerings to the poor and they would stand on the steps of the synagogue or they would stand on a busy street corner and they would have somebody blow a trumpet and when the trumpet would blow, it was the sound and the sign for all the poor people in the area to come running because somebody's going to give big gifts. And so you would call in a crowd and then you begin to distribute out with great ceremony all the gifts. It might have been any of those. It might have been all of those. I don't really know. Or maybe Jesus is just using a figure of speech, sounding a trumpet, and it's just like our way of saying, toot your own horn. Don't do that. Whatever whatever the picture is, the point is this. There are people who have turned giving into a really big show. They want to attract attention to themselves and they want to attract attention to how big the gift is that they're giving, how much it is, how wonderfully, magnanimously generous they are. We've never seen anything like that in our day. We have all kinds of ways that people like to make shows of what they give. You'll see it on TV all the time. This person, this very wealthy person, this celebrity, this whoever will give a big gift to whatever. And then and they encourage other people to give really big gifts and everybody. And so it's all marked out and it's it's on Twitter and it's all over, you know, everywhere ever that so and so is giving this. And what are you going to do? And and we get bricks and we get plaques and we get T-shirts and we get whatever it is to show that I gave, you know, money Well, this is going on in the synagogue. And by the way, the synagogue was the local church. There's the big temple in Jerusalem. Then around Jerusalem, there were lots of little synagogues. And in every Jewish town, there was a synagogue. Think of the local church. This is happening in church. And he says it's also happening in the public streets. And apparently, this is common behavior by a lot of folks to make a big deal of their giving. Jesus is saying, that's what those folks are doing. But don't you follow in the footsteps, you followers of me. Don't you do what they do. By the way, notice as Jesus is pointing these people out, he is not criticizing these folks. He's not saying these folks are neglecting the poor. He's not saying of these folks that they are letting poor people go hungry. He's not even saying these folks are stingy. Matter of fact, when you make a big deal of giving, you usually don't do that over five bucks. You're not going to blow a trumpet, I just gave five dollars. You're going to blow a trumpet, I'm giving fifty thousand dollars to the poor, here's yours. You know, you make a big deal of money. So fault of these givers was not that they were stingy or that they were neglectful of the poor. What is the fault of these? Well, they've made a big deal of their giving, is number one. But secondly, notice that Jesus also calls these people hypocrites. Don't do 
Don't sound the trumpet as the hypocrites do. These folks have hypocritical hearts. What's a hypocrite? A hypocrite is somebody who says one thing and does something different. It's somebody who pretends to be one thing, but in reality is something different. And so what Jesus is saying is these people are coming here and making a big deal of their giving, and what they're trying to show is, I really care about poor people. And they're trying to say, I really care about God. And so because I love God and because I love all these people and I have compassion on them, I give all this money. But Jesus says they're hypocrites. They're not doing this because they really have compassion for the poor. And they're not doing this because they really love God. They're doing this because they love attention. They're doing this because they love the praise of men, he says. They desire to be seen and praised by others. And Jesus says that their giving has got some guaranteed results. What is it? We read on. Truly, I say to you. See, that's Jesus saying you can count on this. Guarantee it. Write it down. Make a mental note. Remember this because you're going to remember. You're going to want to remember this. When you give in that way, there's a guaranteed result. And here's the guaranteed result. They have received their reward. Whatever reward there is, they already got it. They got it when they went out there and they gave this and they got recognized and people went, wow, did you just see what he gave? Did you just see what she gave? Wow. And Jesus says, there's their reward. They got applause by people. And that's it. It says, Literally, when he says here, they receive their reward, the, what the text is saying, they've been paid in full. It's like they got a receipt. You know, everything is, you got all your, all your reward, and that's it. It's a reward, but it is a disappointing result. See, remember, Jesus said in the overarching principle that you receive no reward from your Father in heaven. And that's the disappointing result. All they got was the praise of people, and very soon it's forgotten. Now Jesus says, that's the bad example. Let's learn about how to give rightly. Verses 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, but when you, now Jesus turns, and he's not talking about those folks out there anymore. He talks and he makes it very specific. He says, now when you give. As followers of Jesus, you and I are to be different from the world around us in every way. And we're to be different in how we give. The method of our giving should be, he says here, to not let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. I tried that this week just to see if I could do it. I realized I can't do it. Obviously, this is a figure of speech. What he's saying is, it's not about, you know, literally somehow I've got to be able to do something without thinking about it. That's not it. He's saying that we just need to be discreet. We need to be inconspicuous. Instead of making a big show of our giving, our giving should be something that's low-key, that doesn't call attention to us. 
So much if it were possible that our right hand wouldn't even know that our left hand just gave away our lunch money. That's the point. Because our aim is that our giving would be secret. Verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret. So that, in other words, other people don't know. The attention is not on us because they don't even know what we did. So if one person gives $2 and one person gives $50,000, nobody else is the wiser, only those who gave. That's raised some questions with people over the years. One question some people have had, I've, I've had several people who've, who've wondered this, must our giving always be in secret? So that in other words, you're, you're going out the back door and you... And you um, so, you know what? I'm going to be a really generous giver and, and uh, I'm going to put, you know, whatever the amount is, you put $500 in the plate. You say, there we go. And you look over and there's Brother Harley. He just saw you give it. It is no secret anymore. Harley knows. Ah! There went my reward. <laughs> if my giving isn't in secret, if I, if I, you know, if people see, did I just lose the reward for that? Harley! Is that what he means? Of course not. It's not that nobody can ever know, nobody can ever find out. It's just our intention is not to draw attention to ourselves. When you give to the chapel, there are a couple of people who know what you give. The treasurer who counts it. And the bookkeeper who logs it and at the end of the year sends you a statement. Those are the only people who know what you give. I don't know what you give. So if you ever think I've been impressed by your great giving, no. I'm always impressed by what the church overall gives. I'm just like, wow, we have a bunch of generous people here. This is awesome. But I don't know what you give. And that's the way it should be. So we don't, we, we don't seek attention. There are times, by the way, I would say that we also, do we don't get paranoid about trying to hide everything from everybody lest we lose our reward. Matter of fact, there are some times where I think it's not a bad thing to let some people know that we give and that we give generously. Particularly moms and dads, we should be letting our kids know that. We should be letting them see that. As we are discipling and training a new and young believer, they need to see that this is part of our life, that we give. But the point is not to that we can get credit and we can have people think cool of us. It's that we're trying to teach others, God has given me a generous heart because God has blessed me with everything. What do I have that didn't come from God? Nothing. What do I have that He ultimately doesn't own? Nothing. What the Bible says is everything we own is actually a stewardship. We have His money in our bank account. We have His money in our pocket. We live in His house and drive His car. And so what are we going to do with what He's given to us? We should be generous. And so we need to help others to learn that. And it's easier for them to follow our footsteps than just listen to our words. That's the point. But the point is our general way of giving is discreet and it's secret. It's not to draw attention to ourselves. 
By the way, there's another question that comes up, and I'll quickly address this, and we'll, we won't be much longer. There's a question that, is there a contradiction here? Because here Jesus says our giving should be secret. It should be quiet. And yet, if you go back earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, your good deeds, your righteous acts, and glorify God who is in heaven. Jesus over here is saying, let your good deeds be seen by everybody so they'll glorify God. Over here he says, keep your giving quiet and your praying and your fasting. Which one's right? Are they in contradiction? Of course not. The point is this, the world, if they're going to believe that you and I as Christians really believe what we say, then it's got to show up in how we live. That we don't value the same things the world values because this world is not our home. Heaven is our home. That we don't love the same things that the world loves because we love God. It's going to show up in what we do and it's going to show up in what we give. It's going to show up in all these things. And so the world, if they're going to ever believe the message of Jesus Christ from us, they need to see that message lived out in us in what we do. And so what they should see in Christians is they should see people who, as we've already talked about, love our neighbor, people who don't hold grudges, people who are moral in not only our actions but even in our thoughts. They should also see people who are generous. Now, while the world needs to see that in Christians, they don't necessarily have to see that in you. In other words... We're generous, but we don't always get the credit. Matter of fact, hopefully we rarely, if ever, get the credit. The credit goes to the church at large. This church or the church around the world. Not the credit goes to, you know, so-and-so of us who gave $5,000 to feed hungry people in Ukraine. Rather, the Chapel of the Lake in Lake St. Louis is sending money to Ukraine. We're going to be talking about that next month to help feed people there because we don't want the credit for you and me. We want the credit for Jesus. That's all. So, it's not a contradiction to secrecy. Not at all. Again, the issue here is our motivation. Is it about getting glory and praise for us? Or is it about honoring God with what we have? You see, we don't desire credit. We have an audience of one. The audience isn't all the people out there. There's only one person who we care about who sees what we give. Jesus says that your Father who sees in secret. That's the only person we care who knows what we do. And does he see? Jesus says, absolutely. He's the only one who really matters. And really, when it comes down to it, it's a test of our faith. You see, do we really believe what we say we believe? That there is an all-powerful, almighty God who loves us, who has saved us through Jesus Christ, and we are going one day to be with Him forever and ever? Do we really believe that? If so then 
All I have is from God. Everything I have is a gift. It's a stewardship. I want to use it to please Him. And I will do that. And one day I'm going to be with Him. And my Father who is in secret sees. He sees what I do in secret. And that's all that matters. Do I really believe it? It'll show up in the way I give. By the way, He says then there are guaranteed results. Jesus makes this wonderful promise. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus says you can be sure that your Father sees. When you and I give rightly, He notes. And there's reward. There's an old saying, you can't outgive God. And that's true. But not in the perverted, weird way of the prosperity gospel stuff that's out there. Folks, that's heresy and it's all over media. Those preachers who get up and if you send, you know, your gift of whatever, you know, to our, to me or to our ministry and, you know, God will double that gift and pour blessing back onto you and you make me rich and I'll make you rich. He doesn't say it in those terms because he doesn't want you to know that you're making him rich, but you're making him rich, but no. God does reward generous giving. And I'm going to mention very quickly as we wrap it up three ways in which God rewards giving. But it's not about us getting rich. It's about us being faithful. And God rewards three ways. First, God rewards generous, godly givers by meeting needs. The Apostle Paul, writing to Philippians again, he is commending them because they are generous givers and he makes this statement. And it's a principle we can find other places, but we don't have time for lots of verses. He says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. When you give of yourselves, as these Philippians did, in spades to meet needs of other people, Paul says, God is going to meet your needs because you've been so generous with others. Psalm 41 talks about that as well, but we won't go there. John Bunyan, you remember him, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He said, a man there was and they called him mad. The more he gave, the more he had. The world thinks that's crazy. It's mad. God says, no, it's true. God rewards givers. But there's more. One of the ways that God rewards givers is this, is expanding our opportunities. Again, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians this time, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and again he's commending them because of their generous giving. And he says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. saying, guys, You have given generously and God is going to enrich you. God is going to give you whatever it is you need so that you can also be generous. It may be with money. It may be with time. It may be with... God is going to provide opportunities and He's going to provide resources for you to be more generous. The more generous we are, the more God gives opportunities for us to be more generous. You know, most folks think that giving 10% to God, giving 10% is an enormous amount. And it is a sizable amount. But for many, it is just the starting place. 
And I think it's a great place to start. One that one a great story I, I love. A man I knew his grandson, a guy named R.G. Letourneau, was an inventor and a businessman back in the late 1800s through, I think he died in 67, 1967, 1969, somewhere in there. He developed the first, engineered and built the first offshore oil rig. He built heavy, designed and built heavy equipment of all kinds. He was a godly man who loved the Lord. He Started off when he was young, started off giving 10% of everything he made to the Lord, but he wanted to give more and more, and he started giving more and more. And eventually it turned around where he was giving 90% to God and living on 10%. He just wanted to keep giving more, to do more, to serve the Lord. And he said this, and it's one of my favorite quotes ever. He said, I shovel, and the word is money, I shovel money out. And God keeps shoveling it back in. And God uses a bigger shovel. So I have to shovel more out. God keeps shoveling it back in. So it is. He gives opportunity. Not all of us the same way, but He gives us opportunities. Another way that God gives rewards, the last way, and it's the way that really matters the most, and it's the focus in this whole Sermon on the Mount, and that is with eternal rewards. I've mentioned before in this series that the theme here is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't interested in just building a better life for us here. Jesus is trying to keep our focus on where we're headed. This life is temporary. We're headed to the kingdom of heaven, which is forever. And he's going to talk in the, later at the end of this chapter, and we'll get there in a few weeks. He's going to talk about eternal rewards. So I'm not going to go into that in depth right now. Just know that's coming. And Jesus wants us to understand that's a focus. And no matter what rewards, no matter what things we have here, here, these things are temporary. Jesus is concerned about what's there. And so he says later on, don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. And that's why Jesus talked here at the very beginning. Big concern. Don't give wrongly. Don't do these things wrongly. Why? Because if you do them to be to get praise and glory from people, you don't get praise from God. You don't get rewards from God. And so with that, I want to just end with one verse. A few chapters later from this in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says this. says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward what that tells me? Does God see what we do in secret? Absolutely. Does God forget what we do? No. Will God reward even the smallest little thing we do for Him? Absolutely. And they're things that last forever. What do eternal rewards look like? I don't know. But they're eternal and they're good and they're awesome. And Jesus says that's where our focus ought to be. So brothers and sisters, we ought to be generous givers. And we ought to be those who seek to do it quietly, drawing the attention not to us, but looking to draw attention to God and give Him glory and praise. Let's pray.
Father, thank You for these truths, how we need them. The reality is we tend to get focused on all the wrong stuff. We tend to get focused on collecting stuff, accumulating stuff. We want bigger houses, newer cars. And there's nothing wrong with a house and a car and those things, Lord. But we we tend to get focused on those things. And we tend to get focused on accumulating the stuff that is going to pass away. And we lose sight of the fact that you, you call for us to treasure the things that are forever and to invest in the things of forever by sharing and by giving and by using the stuff you give us now for your work, for your kingdom, for your glory. So Father, may we, may we here in this church May we continue and grow in being a church of good and godly and cheerful givers. May we share readily what we have with those in need and with all the different ways and places that you call us to give so that Jesus is honored and so that those who don't know Jesus will look at us and say, Wow, what is different about you? And we can tell them about our Lord Jesus, about the good news of salvation and heaven in Him. So we pray in His name. Amen.